So when I do a consult, I always send like an intake form. So that kind of can prompt you about different things that you may want to ask, or, you know, I really dig deep to try to figure out your history. So that's the biggest thing is when you are working with a lactation consultant, make sure that they are gathering some sort of history. Most of us are just to kind of, you know, there's so much more than meets the eye with breastfeeding. We, you know, got to make sure, like I said, with breast surgeries or different how you got pregnant, how you make a baby can affect how we sustain feeding that baby afterwards. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where you'll gain the knowledge and confidence you need to erase the unknowns of pregnancy and birth and rock the newborn days like a boss. My name is Liesl Team. I'm a fellow mom, labor and delivery nurse, and your host. Each week on this podcast, you'll hear a mix of birth stories, expert interviews, and other fun pregnancy and birth-related content. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now let's get into this week's episode. This week on the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, I had the chance to talk with fellow Raleigh girl, Courtney Miller. How cool, right? I love talking. I mean, I love talking to everybody, you know that, but it's just cool when you connect with somebody who like knows, you know, where Carrie is and knows where Durham is and all that good stuff. Courtney Miller has been a registered nurse since 2016 and is now an international board-certified lactation consultant, an IBCLC. Her passion for breastfeeding began after giving birth to her son in March of 2019, and she quickly realized there wasn't enough readily available breastfeeding education and support out there for new moms. Now she says she has found her calling of helping moms and their families along their breastfeeding journeys. Courtney regularly uses her personal breastfeeding experience along with evidence-based research to help educate and support the families she works alongside. Courtney is the face behind the better boob also on Instagram. Inside the episode, I spoke with Courtney all about the benefits of virtual lactation consultants, and then we switched gears and did a total deep dive into the topic of tongue ties, which I know is something that a lot of you are curious about. And just, you know, a lot of people have to deal with tongue ties and Before you have a baby with a tongue tie, like usually you have no idea what, you know, what they are or like what's involved. There is so much great info packed into this episode. So let's get right into it. Wondering what you need to do to stay on track during each week of pregnancy? Not sure what you need to be learning or researching along the way? I can help. Sign up for our free weekly pregnancy series to get tips, advice, and resources tailored to your exact week of pregnancy sent straight to your inbox every week. Sign up at mommylabornurse.com slash I am pregnant to get your first email today. See you in your inbox real soon. Hi, Courtney. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thanks so much for being here today with me. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your family, where you live, what you ate for breakfast, anything you want to share? (laughs) Yes. So my name is Courtney Miller. I am a registered nurse. Prior to becoming a lactation consultant, I was a mother baby. Well, actually, in the very beginning, I was adult ICU and I learned a lot. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) Learned a lot, but learned that it was not for me. 
and then moved over to postpartum, which my husband was military, so we've moved around a lot. And then went to labor and delivery, mother, baby, had my first kiddo who turns three on Thursday, oh. which is just... So Three is such is. a sweet age, too. It's a hard age. No, I'm not trying to scare you, but it's, it's <laughs> it like is. their little brains just like really, really do a turn. And it's just, yeah, it's so fun. I loved three. Yes, we have very much hit the threes. So he's he's an awesome big brother. I just had my second. He's So I have a three-month-old and a three-year-old. So lots of fun over here. But yeah, after I had my first, I just really struggled with breastfeeding. He ended up having a tongue tie that was not revised correctly. So then we struggled with breastfeeding. I realized there was just not enough support. One day I just told my husband, I was like, I'm going to get my IBCLC, which is internationally board certified lactation consultant. My husband looked at me like I had 10 eyes and he's like, is this actually going to do anything? Like, cause it's pretty, you know, it's a lot of work and it's pretty expensive. So he was yeah. like, is this going to actually pay off? Like, you know, he's the financial brain yeah. in our relationship. So he's like, are you sure? I was like, I'm just doing it. I signed up, you know, had all of my education and everything. And then COVID hit. So right before COVID hit, I actually took a job at a hospital on a postpartum unit being a lactation consultant. So in hospital and then COVID hit and I, you know, canceled all of our classes, all of our support groups, everything that we had for moms, it was just gone. So I found myself in a space where I was like, I really want to be able to help these moms. How do I do it? The hospital wasn't very helpful. Like I was like, oh, let me do this. Let me do this. And they're like, yeah, sure. Like they just kind of like brushed me off. Yeah. So I then just took it into my own hands and created an Instagram similar, you know, in this kind of space that you are in with your mommy labor nurse, like along the same lines of just trying to get information out to families that they wouldn't normally get otherwise. And so then I would tell my patients like, Hey, I've got this Instagram. I'm, you know, putting tips and tricks on there. So that became the better boob. And then now that better boob has turned into my private practice lactation here. So we are just outside of Raleigh, North Carolina, right? We are neighbors. We are closer than neighbors. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. So we moved here this past summer and like in uh, 2021, summer 2021, and I just full on went private practice. So it's been a crazy experience, but I'm my own boss now and I get to Girl, stay home get with it. my littles yeah. and still get to help moms and be in that space. So it's literally a dream come true. I love my job. I love what I do. And yeah. So love it. Me. Love it. You are paving your own path. I love it. Yes. Yes. I was I got finished with a workout today and then hopped on a Zoom call and then went into a console and then I'm having this with you. So, I mean, it's been a Power crazy day. But yeah. in the middle, I've been able to be with my little ones and hang out with them. So, which yeah. I love. I love it. I love it. Well, today, guys, if you can guess, since you are an IBCLC, we're going to be talking about lactation consultants and virtual lactation consultants. And then on the second half of this episode, I really want to do more of a deep dive into tongue ties because that is a common issue that moms have, well, babies have, and you have a lot of experience in because your first one had a very complicated one. So we're going to get into that a lot too. So can you start off and tell our listeners, like, what do you even do? (laughs) Like, what is the, even the role of a lactation consultant for moms? Obviously they help with breastfeeding, but like, what are kind of all the hats that you wear? 
I was just thinking about this the other day. I feel like lactation is such like a very specific term that I feel like I help out with so much more than that. You know, yes, I help out with breastfeeding, but I help out with really feeding in general. I answer a lot of questions. You know, there are moms like lactation is just not limited to not breastfeeding. It can be open to pumping and bottle feeding and combination feeding and formula feeding. Like I can really help out with all of that. And I was thinking, I'm like, will they ever change that term? Like, oh. you know, because lactation consultants, we really, we should, for the most part, know about really feeding the infant as a whole. Interesting. And, yeah. And I don't know. I'm like, would it ever change my title to, you know, instead of lactation, would it be feeding? Or I don't know. But yeah, I feel like I can help out moms in so many other ways than just nursing at the breast, which I think a lot of people get that idea about these lactation consultants is that we only help if you are exclusively nursing. And we're really trying to change that. There's a big group of us on Instagram of the lactation consultants that we're trying to change that tone that we can help out with so much more. I sometimes feel like I am, you know, a therapist because I'm seeing moms in their most vulnerable, you know, part of our lives when we have these tiny humans that we're trying to learn to take care of. And so it gives me chills thinking about it because I do get to come in at such like a very valuable time and that I just cherish So yeah, I mean, literally I try to help out with almost everything. You know, I was talking to a mom today about birth control, like the nursing part in me, Mm -hmm. being a registered nurse, I can still bring that in. So yeah, I can really help out with almost anything that you need. I will try to, and if I can't, I will find someone that can. Love it. That's a good way to put it. Yes. And sometimes it's like, you're like the first of the first. So if you're like, oh, maybe you need to see you know, an ENT, or maybe you need to go here, you know, like, that's a very, very important piece to have. Mm -hmm. We kind of bring everybody together. I mean, it is like really like a case manager almost. Kind of, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I find sometimes in, you know, out in the community, there are some providers that don't see us as that part of it. Like, we can still be lactation, yes, is what I live, breathe, eat, sleep. Like it is everything that I do. Yes. When I struggled with my second, I recently, you know, said that I have a three month old. And when I struggle with him, they were, we were in the NICU and we were talking about feeding and stuff. And I was like, I promise if there's anything, I've got the feeding part. Like I, this is what I do. And they're like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm a lactation consultant. Like I got this. I will not let my kid not eat. Like I got this. Yeah. That is so funny. All right. Well, let's talk about like who should even see a lactation or maybe some signs that seeing one is a good idea. Yeah. So really anybody can see a lactation consultant. I mean, I see so many moms post about, you know, even if they are bottle feeding, whether that be with breast milk, donor milk formula, there's still so many times that I comment and I'm like, Hey, I can help you with that. You know, bottle refusal so yes, of course, the obvious breastfeeding issues, if you find if baby's not gaining weight, if baby's not taking enough milk, if you are having pain, you know, this isn't all about baby. Sometimes yeah. babies are gaining and thriving and the pediatrician's like, yeah, everything looks good. Yeah. And then the mom's like, but I'm suffering, I'm hurting. So really any aspect of, you know, if you are pregnant or recently had your baby, you can definitely see a lactation consultant even before you have your baby. I've done lots of prenatal consults that 
we just go over and set a plan. Maybe you have some underlying risk factors or maybe you, you know, risk factors being like, did you have breast surgery or have you struggled with infertility or did you struggle with maybe your first baby breastfeeding? Those would be all things that I would say, get a prenatal consult so that we can best set you up for success. And, you know, you may know a lot, but let's make a plan, an individualized plan. So signs that a consult would be necessary, I would say, again, any breastfeeding issues, weight issues, and really like when your mom gut tells you that something else is wrong and maybe everyone else is kind of shrugging you off. I get a lot of consults like that where they're just like, I've been to so many people and no one wants to listen to me and your mom gut is never wrong. So if you're feeling like you need one, get one. Yeah. And lots of insurances are starting to pay for lactation consultants. Which they should. Yes. They should. Some lactation consultants, especially in our area, a lot of work at pediatrician's office. So your hospital may have one, but it goes to show just like you have a provider, you know, your pediatrician, you may seek out and interview different pediatricians. Lactation consultants are the same. You have to find someone that kind of vibes with you. And if you aren't feeling like you're getting your answers, definitely reach. There's lots of us. There should be more of us. We're trying, Yeah. but reach out and try to find someone that best fits with you. I love that. So here's a loaded question. What if you live in the middle of Alaska and there's nobody around to help you? What do you even do? Do you have any, even have an option? Yes. So (laughs) I've actually worked with moms from all over from up to Canada, down to the Bahamas. Cool. So, which is really cool because they, you know, a lot of the times, so I do virtual lactation consultations and with a virtual, you know, a lot of people are like, how do you even do a consult virtually? Yeah. (laughs) Especially for breastfeeding. But really when it's like, okay, one, it's like, if you don't have anybody else and it's either I struggle through this on my own, or maybe I don't meet my breastfeeding goals or I have the chance of working with someone that can give me some tips. I promise I've got lots of things, lots of props. I've got crochet boobs. I've got, (laughs) I've got baby dolls. I've got, I've got everything to be able to show you through the screen. I honestly think that it's made me a better lactation consultant because I have to be there. I have to like tell you through the screen how to position your baby or how to latch or, you know, and so it's made me like over explain stuff. And so virtual lactation, especially with COVID has really upped, like, you know, like I said, insurances are also paying for this virtual, which I hope does not go away Yeah. because I just think it's, you know, it's just a really, I mean, all of our stuff is moving virtual. I mean, meetings, everything, Zoom is huge. So I have a software program that's like HIPAA compliant. So yes, you can breastfeed during the consult to keep it all safe. It's even like higher than Zoom. You know, if you're weird about anything like that, it keeps everything safe. We're in our own little portal. So I think that they can, I mean, the feedback that I'm getting from a lot of moms that maybe they just didn't get their answers, you know, from other people or yeah, they're in the middle of Alaska or the Bahamas and they just don't have anybody else. Yeah that it's a good option to have. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. I love that. You know what I was thinking too, while you were talking about that we're moving all virtual, like I know that Facebook or Instagram recently announced like a couple months ago, they're like going through this whole meta thing, right? So like everything's going to be 3D. I don't even know how that's going to work, but I'm like thinking, okay, maybe one, (laughs) one day, you can be a little th- more 3D and like you can be sitting in the same room virtually with somebody. Hey, that would solve a lot of problems, right? Whoa. Yes. <laughs> what does that be? That's like, I don't know if you've recently watched the 
show on Amazon Prime. It's called Upload. No, I haven't. <laughs> it is like futuristic. And Ooh. that reminds me of that because they can like, they put on their VR thing yeah. and then they're like in the room. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's so funny. It's okay. going to be crazy. I it mean, is. the future is woohoo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is so funny. All right. Well, let's talk about how somebody, if they're like, okay, let's do it. I got a consult scheduled. How can somebody make the most of that visit? What are some questions that they can ask? Yeah. So when I do a consult, I always send like an intake form. So that kind cool. of can prompt you about different things that you may yeah. want to ask. Or, you know, I really dig deep to try to figure out your history. So that's the biggest thing is when you are working with a lactation consultant, make sure that they are gathering some sort of history. Most of us are just to kind of, you know, there's so much more than meets the eye with breastfeeding. We, you know, got to make sure, like I said, with breast surgeries or different, how you got pregnant, how you make a baby can affect how we sustain feeding that baby afterwards. So it all kind of goes together. Definitely some things that you can ask, you know, what your expectations are and what your goals, you know, that's something for you to think about, like how, and you may not know the answer to these. You may not know, like, I don't know what my goals are. Like, I don't know how long I want to breastfeed and that's okay. Knowing if you want to exclusively nurse at the breast, if you're going to be returning to work, if you're going to be doing combination feeding, kind of having like what your vision is for your journey can be very helpful for us on the other end. I try to lay it all out there and give you like all of your choices Mm -hmm. so that you can make the best choice for you and your family. Cause I think that's very important, like to be able to nitpick and figure out, well, this worked for me. This did not, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to toss this away or I'm going to hide this away for later. So I think that's the biggest thing. And again, finding someone that really works that you vibe with and, you know, can relate to and that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. No, I love that. Do you often find that a lot of problems can be solved in just one session or do you think it's like people need multiple sessions? I think for the most part, around two to three really does like an initial and that may be an initial prenatally that best sets you up. And then one, maybe like if you do have some support in the hospital, then meeting with, you know, the lactation consultant that you met with prenatally, meet with them maybe around a week or two weeks, just to kind of brush up on, okay, things are going well, because things just move so quickly and change so much that you could be doing well one week. And then the next week, it just crap hits the fan. And you're like, "Ah." yeah, yeah, that's what happens. (laughs) And like, so your baby changes too. you know, around three months, like I have a three month old now that's starting to get more distracted. and, And look around and then you think, okay, well, and they get more efficient. And then your, your milk supply is kind of changing too, cause it's starting to regulate. And so there's just so much change that happens really in the first three months to six months. So I like to meet with people, you know, initially if possible, and then follow up, you know, in those first couple of weeks. And then if everything's going well, then maybe like before you return to work, if you're returning to work, just to kind of like have a plan and make sure that you feel comfortable pumping and all that. So I usually say a couple of weeks before you return to work, because you don't want to like get too close to that working, going back to to work work tomorrow. What do we do? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I like, you know, initially out the gate and then, you know, a couple weeks and then depending on when you're going back to work, maybe that's six weeks, maybe that's eight weeks, maybe a couple weeks before you go back to work. And then really, 
I mean, I've met with moms on like when introduction of solids happen, or maybe they're, and I forgot to mention this earlier, weaning. Yeah. I can help with weaning too. I don't just start breastfeeding. I can help with weaning too. (laughs) Because that's a whole process as well. Oh, it is. Yes. So I've met with moms from all end of the spectrum. They have a fresh two-day-old or one-day-old to, you know, they've got an over-a-year-old and they're trying to figure out how do I navigate this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. All right. Well, I think I know the answer to this next question, but if you have a partner, should they even get involved in lactation or these consults or how can they even help with breastfeeding? I think partners are so valuable to the relationship. I had a mom ask me the other day, they're like, should my, you know, husband, should my partner be involved? And I was like, as much as you want them to be, yeah, <laughs> you know, if they want to, if they're that kind of person where they want to be involved, 100%, yeah. but they don't have to be. So don't feel like you have to have that person there. But in a consult, it is nice to have two ears listening because you are, you're sleep deprived. You're going through a lot with your new Good baby mm-hmm. and, you know, having another set of ears that when at the end of it, yes, you know, lactation, I usually send a care plan afterwards. So it outlines like everything that you can be working on, but the partner can also be there like, Oh yeah, I remember she said this about this and let's try this. And, you know, we all hear different parts of a conversation. So it's nice to have that second set of ears. And then, especially if we're meeting like before, then they can, you know, know what to expect in the hospital and where they can help. I mean, you're exhausted. You just gave birth to this beautiful baby. You're exhausted. You're not thinking about, I need to do skin to skin right now, or I need to try to get baby latched. You're just like, oh my gosh, I have this baby. So they can also honor your wishes. And I'm sure you deal with this with, you know, birth plans and all of that. They can be that extra support and someone to lean on and, hey, I'm struggling with this. Do you remember what she said sort of thing? Yeah, it's like they're they're a support person and they kind of help to fill in those gaps that you might have missed along the way, which happens, like you said. And it's hard, you know, partners, I know my husband feels like it right now, like he can't really help with breastfeeding because it is all on the mom for the most part. I mean, even if you're pumping, mom still has to pump. (laughs) So, you know, dads don't make milk yet, or, you know, partners don't make, (laughs) sometimes can't make milk. So, you know, having the mom be there or the dad be there, partner be there can be very beneficial and, you know, helping out with so many things like burping the baby, diaper changes, those sort of things. Yeah. No, I love that. That's great. All right. The sound of that baby crying means it's time for this week's segment of Birth It Up Babies. This is a short and sweet little third baby. She says, I just had my third baby. I really wanted to go unmedicated this time. My husband and I watched your Birth It Up natural course and he watched the partner videos on his own. He was so helpful and I don't think I could have done it without him. Thank you so much for a great resource. Oh, I love that. So it's so great to hear that, you know, you sit down with your partners or your support people and you watch the class too, because I mean, it's important to educate you guys as the one going through labor, but sometimes it's like equally important to educate your support person and the people that are in your room because sometimes it's kind of hard to remember stuff, right? Like, you know, you remember like one tip that I said, and if you have a fresh mind who's not having contractions in there, sometimes they can, you know, like look up stuff and just remember things from the course to help. So Yeah, love to hear that. If you want to check out the course that this mama took, she took Birth It Up, the natural series, and you can head over to mommylabornurse.com and click on the natural series. 
All right, let's get right back into this week's episode. Well, let's switch gears to talking about tongue ties. So tell me, mm-hmm. I know we kind of touched a little bit at first. You said you had a complicated relationship with tongue ties with your first one. But can yep. you go into more detail about that? You know, why you are <laughs> a little more passionate about tongue ties? Yeah. So my first, he had a very clear as day tongue tie. It was funny because we took a birth class. This is down in Georgia. We took an in-person birth class and one, it was in-person instead of like six, I think. And one class, we literally talked about all about tongue ties. Like we just got on the topic. And so on the way home, my husband was like, I don't want to ever hear about tongue ties again because... (laughs) Like I remember this because we had like, we had talked about it for like an hour. It was just like one question after another, after another. Yeah. So then I had my son and my husband was actually able to help deliver. So my midwife was able to like kind of coach him and she stepped aside and he was able to help deliver. So he placed my son on my chest. I didn't know the gender. So he announces as a boy, we are both shocked because we didn't know the gender. I totally thought it was a girl. And so I'm still comprehending that I just one had a baby and two, I had a boy and my husband goes, he has a tongue tie because he's (laughs) laying on my chest. (laughs) He's laying on my chest and he's screaming. And that's a way that you can kind of see if they have a tongue tie because And not all tongue ties, I'll get to this, but not all tongue ties. It's not about appearance and it's not about how it looks. It's, you know, I'll go more into that, but some you can see clear as day. And he's like, he has a tongue tie, he has a tongue tie. And I'm like, what, what, what? Wait, can we go back? Like what just happened? That's hilarious. (laughs) It was was just like kind of full circle. Like we talked about this and then it was a tie. He had a very severe tongue tie. So his was almost to the tip of his tongue and his, his tongue was pretty much heart shaped. Like you could, he, you could not miss that anywhere. So in the hospital, the pediatrician came to me and she said, Hey, I can go ahead and take care of this in the hospital. I said, great. That sounds wonderful. I said, what does that involve? She said, it's just snipping underneath the tongue with some scissors, sterile scissors, hardly bleeds. You won't really know any, you know, yeah. you won't, they were doing it so early. You won't really know a difference. So I said, okay, great. Breastfeeding initially right out the gate was pretty hard because I had inverted nipples, which does not mean you can't breastfeed. That's a myth. But I had some inverted nipples. So some, you know, challenging ways with that. He was 37 and three. So he was a little bit early. My water broke on my own, but he just decided he wanted to come a little early. And so we had those struggles. And then with the tongue tie, so I I was given a nipple shield, which I kind of thought I might need just with the inverted nipples and everything that was going on. So we got a nipple shield from the beginning and then it would just like took forever to lean that nipple shield. It mm-hmm. was so painful to nurse him still. And I never even thought twice about the tongue tie. Cause I was like, Oh, well we got that corrected around two months. We struggled with weight gain, milk supply, and all of those things are really red flags for tongue ties. And I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> then we went through like, is this a dairy intolerance? He was so mm-hmm. gassy and his belly just hurt all the time. It took us forever to wean that nipple shield. I'm talking like we didn't wean the nipple shield until like closer to three, four months. I mean, it was like, and I just was doing everything. I was going to the support group every week with the lactation consultant. She's like, yeah, I mean, and there wasn't really much guidance with it. So that is how I became so passionate. Really, I didn't know it at the time. But then when I struggled so much with it, then went into, you know, getting my IBCLC, I then reached out to, so we were in Georgia at the time. I reached out to this doctor. Her name is Dr. Baxter. He has the Alabama Tongue Tie Center. He's written a book. It's called Tongue Tied. So he's kind of like this guru. And I was like, oh, I need to know more about this because in my lactation courses, everything that I'd done to prep, 
they really didn't talk about tongue ties. It was just kind of like, this is what a tongue tie is. It can affect breastfeeding. Didn't really go into detail, you know, and just kind of ended it there. So I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, I would love to come shadow you. Just come to your practice one day. He was about three hours from me. But I was like, you must know because you are the guru. Like you've written a book about this. You, you know, you've done your stuff. So I went over and spent an entire day with him. He's a pediatric dentist and he revises tongue ties with a laser. It's called a CO2 laser. So very different than what my kiddo had initially, which was a snipping with scissors. So at the end of that, I was like, you know, we're going through all the symptoms. So I've talked about that, you know, the symptoms of a tongue tie are more so important than the appearance of it because it's the function of the tongue, not necessarily the appearance of it. And after talking to him more, I'm like, hmm, I think my son has like, he was about 18 months at the time. I was like, I think his tongue tie was not revised correctly. So they didn't unfortunately get it all. When we do, in some cases, the clipping with scissors can be beneficial, but they have to be really, really good at it. Whereas the laser is more precise and it's really, for lack of better terms, it cauterizes that tissue, but it doesn't go deep enough. It can just get that top layer of the fascia underneath the tongue and make the tongue have more room to expand to the palate. So We were having trouble with my son's speech. I talked to the pediatrician about it. Use your tongue to talk. We were having some speech issues. We were having some picky eating and all of those things can be signs of a tongue tie. And so I then, you know, I went home. I've been like, I'm looking in my son's mouth. Like, does he still have one? And I was like, he does. Mm. And then I was like, that makes sense why he's having trouble with speech. So we ended up getting his redone around 18, 20. 20-ish months with the laser. And I tell you within a week, he was saying different words that he had never even attempted. Oh my gosh. It's very fascinating. Dr. Baxter has even said that he's dealt with kids that are like borderline. Like they think these kiddos have like autism or ADHD, like attention. They're nonverbal. They're not talking very much. They've been to some speech language pathologists will actually pick up on tongue ties because again, it's with the tongue Yeah, and he's actually noticed like they'll come to him. He will revise their tongue and then they're like, their hyperactivity is actually decreased. And he thinks that the tongue position also helps when you're sleeping. So these kids, they're having to move around so much because they're not able to sleep properly because they're not breathing because our tongues should be at the roof of our mouth behind our two front teeth. When we're at rest, that's where it should be. Well, if our tongue's restricted, it can't go up there. So it typically sits down. And when you're in the laying down position, then it kind of slides back, not into your throat, but it can kind of cause some like sleep apnea, sleep obstruction. So these kids aren't sleeping at night and then they're given medicine to kind of ramp them up because they're given, you know, like a stimulant because they think, you know, like ADD medicine should... And then, so we're doing that and then they're still just not sleeping. So then it's just like causing this continuous cycle. And then they start sleeping better because their tongue tie is fixed. And then they start speaking better because their tongue tie is fixed. And it's kind of like, hmm. Wow. Interesting. So it's very, very interesting. He's done a lot of research on them. And then of course, then you go back and ask her like, oh, did you breastfeed? And they're like, no, I couldn't because it hurt so bad Mm. or they wouldn't latch or they had weight problems. So then you start like all of these things were symptoms from the very beginning. We just didn't recognize them because there's really just honestly not enough people that know about them. 
or they think they're fads, you know, there's a whole thing. So yeah, that's like, Ugh, I hate that like argument that, oh, they're getting more popular because they're it's, it just, well, you know. it's, we are diagnosing more because we know more. Yeah, when we know more, we can do more yeah. and we can prevent these things. So, you know, I get the question all the time. Well, is a tongue tie going to, you know, if I don't decide that if my baby does have one, but I don't decide I want to fix it because it is elective. Yeah. Can my baby live a full life? Yes. Tongue ties are not, you know, they're not going to be harmful in that way. We adapt as humans as we compensate, we adapt, we move, you know, if we're struggling with something, we move forward with it and find a way to make it happen. So no, your baby doesn't need it done, but it's definitely good to get an evaluation with a lactation consultant or like an SLP as a lactation consultant, I cannot formally diagnose. So I do refer to like a pediatric dentist. I find that Mm. pediatric dentists, that's the key there are the best people to revise these and assess for them. Yeah, that makes sense. So when we talk about evaluation, you're saying that if you suspect that your baby has a tongue tie, maybe you start off with you like a lactation consultant, yep. but you could get a formal evaluation from you're saying a pediatric dentist or even yep. don't ENTs diagnose so as well? ENTs do. I okay. have found a lot of ENTs for the most part where I've lived, and this isn't everywhere, ENTs do a lot more of the scissor cutting rather okay. than the laser. Okay. And they don't normally, so with tongue ties, there's so much more to it than just the revision. There's some pre-work that can be done. You know, I always, even if I suspect a tongue tie, I tell the parents, I'm like, Hey, this is what I suspect. This is what I'm feeling, but let's try to work on positioning. Let's try to work on latching. Let's see if we can get you more comfortable, which Maybe an option, may not. You know, let's wait and see. We're not going to do anything if it's not a problem. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Sort of thing. But I have found that ENTs typically will do scissors. And then they, at the other end of that, they don't give what's called stretches. So after we've done this revision, there is going to be a scab underneath. There's going to be a wound. And that wound will want to fuse, our body wants to heal. So that's going to want to fuse back together. So we have to do stretches and Unfortunately, those are the worst part for me. In my opinion, it's so hard to do the stretches, but they're very important to make sure that that doesn't heal tighter or back together. And some don't get stretches because they just think, oh, I'll just do a snip snip and then, you know, we're done. And in that case, they either one don't get all of it, like I talked about with my son. So I'd use this analogy. This is from Dr. Baxter. A tongue tie is like if my two fingers were stuck together. So they're fused mm-hmm. all the way up in the center. They're stuck together. One finger, you know, two fingers are one finger. So cutting it would only maybe cut to like maybe my knuckles. And yeah, I would get some movement there, but I wouldn't get all of it. Whereas the laser is more precise and can really get all the way down and separate my two fingers completely. And so that's the difference between cutting and laser. Now I have met some providers, very, very, very few that can cut it and cut it correctly, but you kind of want to do some background on them. Do they do stretches? Do they have follow-ups? You know, because those are the people, if we have the biggest thing is stretches, if they have a stretches and follow-up program, then they clearly know the research behind that the stretchings are very important. So if they just say, oh yeah, we're just going to cut it and Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. Or if it, you know, a a really big thing is working with a lactation consultant afterwards, because we have to reteach that tongue, how to 
suck efficiently, how to yeah. remove milk and work efficiently. The tongue is a, is a muscle. And as I said before, our bodies want to compensate. So the tongue compensates, and it's not always in the best way when we have a tongue tie. So once we've done that revision, we have to kind of reteach that tongue to work efficiently. So we work on sucking exercises and working with a lactation consultant can make sure that you're moving in the right direction. For the most part, I don't see like full you know, some people will say they went in and got their tongue tie revision, you know, if it was with a laser or whatever, and they immediately had great results. Baby was nursing and all their pain was gone. And like the heavens opened and hallelujah, everything was good. Very, very few people actually say that. So I find in my experience that it usually takes about three, four weeks after the revision to fully get the tongue benefit of it properly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, Moms get discouraged. I even got discouraged with my second. My second had a very severe tongue tie and I got it revised in a week, but we didn't get in our groove until probably like seven or eight weeks because it just took us a time to make his tongue work better. And I'm a lactation consultant. So like I have all the tricks, but it just took him a little bit longer. So the three to four week isn't a hard and fast. It's more so, you know, we just have to work with the baby and that's why it's good to have the support of a lactation consultant. So you can, you know, help me. Yeah. <laughs> did I make the right decision? Cause you know, it, it's hard. Cause we don't want to put our baby through pain and we're like, did, is this worth it? Is this going to, am I going to see the light at the end of the tunnel? Totally. Totally. I love that. And this is so great too, for new moms. Cause again, like you said, tongue ties are so common. And so I didn't even know that I thought it was literally the only option was snip, snip. That's what you think when you think of a revision, at least that's what I do. So I didn't even know that there was this laser option and that you're seeing that it's like so much better. And if they are snipping to make sure that you ask these follow-up questions, like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, this is like, I'm glad that you're shedding light on that. Trust me. I thought the same exact thing when, you know, I had my first, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this will be an easy fix. I can get it done in the hospital. I don't have to, you know, and with, you know, some people, there's not providers that do laser everywhere. So some yeah. people do have to travel like two, three hours. So you're like, oh, I can just get it done here at the hospital and I don't have to travel, you you know, but not all providers are created equally, unfortunately. And so doing your research will really, I've worked with a lot of moms that I've had, you know, we've done a snipping and then we have to go back and do the laser because it didn't get it all. And so then you're working through scar tissue and it's just been, we're putting our baby through two procedures. So, you know, and it happens, like I had to do it to my son. So I I get it, but the more we know, the better we can do. That's right. That's right. So we've talked a little bit about like the aftercare and these stretches and stuff, but what are some of the things that moms can look out for, like in terms of feeding, how baby's acting like afterwards? Yes. So are you talking about like aftercare or like symptoms that we should look out for? I would say kind of let's do aftercare first and just how baby's acting. And then, yeah, we can talk about like if symptoms. for some reason they're doing this, make sure you call. Yep. So aftercare for the most part. So I tell this story all the time with my son that was 20-ish months when we got his revised with the laser. So we the laser's very fast. It's the whole procedure is really done. And like the lip, if we've got a lip tie, so there's lip ties and tongue ties. If there is that, 
then it usually takes about 10 to 15 seconds of the actual laser time. It's very quick. Cool. It's a lot of like stretching too. So they're applying the laser and they are cauterizing that tissue, but they're also like stretching it as that. So it's kind of allowing the tissue to do its natural thing. So the procedure is actually very quick. Some providers, most providers will use a numbing medication. I relate it similarly if you've heard about circumcisions. With circumcisions, you do a little bit of numbing. Then it's along those same lines. And with that, I will say the hardest part is them just being in the baby's mouth. That's what I found. I watched my eldest, his get his done and he just didn't want people in his mouth. So I yeah. found that with Who any baby, yeah. we're stretching and we're, you know, in there and they're like, they're screaming. So that's that aspect of it. But the procedure is relatively quick. And then after the procedure that that laser does kind of do, it cauterizes some of those nerves. So they do get a numbing effect from not only the laser, but the numbing cream. And so they're usually back to their normal selves within like 10 minutes after they kind of just like calm down. My son got his done. He was scared crying. They had like a little playground outside. My husband took him out he was eating goldfish within 10 minutes of cool. <laughs> the procedure. So I was like, he couldn't really talk at the time. Cause again, that's what we were struggling with. So he couldn't tell me that he was in pain or not, but like I said, he was eating goldfish. So I'm like, he clearly wasn't in that much pain yeah. because he's like, okay, we're cool. Yeah. He went to daycare the next day. So it's a very like, I mean, we didn't hold him back. Babies will typically be a little bit more fussy. You know, it's just like uncomfortable, especially around those stretches. We're going in and we're dealing with that wound. So lots of skin to skin. I tell moms, when in doubt, do skin to skin. If you can get in the bath with baby. With my second, I had a C-section, so I couldn't. And we got his done around a week. So I could not get in a bath. And he was just so fussy one night. My husband got in the bath with him. Oh yeah. So it doesn't have to be, it can be your partner. You know, the water is just warm. It's soothing. Doing some skin to skin. Skin to skin can actually just reset all of that central nervous system. So when in doubt, do some skin to skin, you may expect like some breast refusal, maybe some bottle refusal, just their mouth hurts. So that's where you can meet with a lactation consultant as well as talking with who does your procedure, because they should have some tips on how to, you know, we can do a little bit of like frozen milk. If you've got some frozen breast milk, but we only want to do that for like the first night or two, because we don't want it delay any healing. We want it to heal. So we don't want to do too much cold, but really skin to skin is my answer. If a baby is upset, just put them skin to skin, hold them, cuddle them, wear them. But generally speaking, they recover pretty quickly from these things. That's awesome. And what about like, what are some signs to look for if maybe you need to go back some worrisome signs? Yeah. So there's very minimal bleeding. So, you know, because it's done, if it's done with a laser, very minimal bleeding. I have heard horror stories with clippings that they sometimes go too deep and then we hit. And so the laser, like I said, is just so minimal that healing there usually is a scab underneath the, if it, if you get a tongue and a lip, there's a, a wet scab. So it kind of looks like you know, if you skinned your knee when you were little and then you get in the bathtub, you see that like white. So that's what develops. It'll be this white kind of scab. It'll kind of hang out on there. You will still stretch it, but it usually hangs out for about a week or so. And then it just kind of falls off. Normally they just swallow it, which is really gross to think about, but (laughs) 
Hey, you may um, not see it like come out. You just yeah. are doing a stretch one day and you're like, oh, okay. It fell yeah. off. So that's just like any scab. It just covers that kind of a little band-aid, keeping that area protected. So really excess fussiness to the point like you can't calm them down. If they are completely refusing to eat, sometimes moms have to take a break from breastfeeding and just give some bottles. I had to do it. My kiddo went through a nursing strike. He was like, hey, my mouth hurts. I don't want to nurse. So we just did like 24 hours of just pumping and giving bottles and we kind of just did a reset. Yeah. So that's a possibility, but that's why I like reach out to a lactation consultant. You don't want to go through this alone. Reach out so that, you know, especially if you're feeling like something is wrong, like your mom gut, get some help to answer, you know, why that's happening. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, this was so great. Any final thoughts, advice, resources, maybe for that new mom who just had their baby and they are just, whoa, exploring the breastfeeding life? Yeah. The biggest thing, and I say this all the time, breastfeeding is not easy. If breastfeeding was easy, I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't be a lactation (laughs) Yeah, true. Yeah. So know that, you know, even though breastfeeding seems like the most natural thing and it seems like things should just be clicking and that you, you put baby on the breast and they just nurse and everything is rainbows and butterflies. It's not, I've been through the trenches with mine. And I, like I said, I'm a lactation consultant. I had to reach out to another lactation consultant and be like, Hey, I need help. Because I've got my mom hat on, I don't have my LC hat on, and I need someone else to come in and, and help me. So, yeah, just knowing that and knowing that it gets easier, you will, it does, it will yeah. get easier. It, you will get in your groove. Breastfeeding is very much a skill, and it's something that, just like any other skill, it can be hard at first and awkward and like, I don't know what I'm doing and stressful. And then once you start learning that skill a little bit more and learning your baby, you, you kind of can get in a groove. And if you don't get in a groove, reach out to a lactation consultant that can help you because that's what we're here for. I want to help you. I don't want you to struggle like I have done. Like I want you to get the help. So that's my best piece of advice. Get help if you feel like you need it. Love it. Love it. Well, I know everybody who's listening to this episode is now obsessed with you because you have done such a great job explaining all of this stuff. So where can they find you on Instagram if they want to follow you? Yes. So I am at the better boob is my handle. The better boob is literally my third child, fourth child, I guess, if you count my dog. I am obsessed with, I'm sure that's kind of how you are. Oh, yeah. You know, you love um, just helping moms and I love getting the messages and helping in any way that I can. So I try to put out tips and tricks. If you have any further questions and want to shoot me a message, I can't give like, you know, as you know, I can't give like medical advice, yeah, medical advice or anything, but I can definitely point you in the right direction if I've got a post about it or if we need to set up a consult, let's do that. Cool. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Courtney, for joining me today. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Yes, it was great. Thank you. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and letting me be a part of your motherhood journey. It is truly an honor. If you like what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast. So if you're liking what you hear or you have a suggestion, I'd be so grateful if you'd go ahead and leave me a review wherever you're listening to help more mamas just like you find the show. What do you think? Are you starting to feel a little more confident about your pregnancy and birth? Well, if you want more, be sure to head on over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast for today's show notes and a library of episodes so you can keep getting educated before your upcoming birth. 
And while you're over there, be sure to check out the blog and learn about our online birth classes. Find it all and more over at mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. See you next week. Same time, same place.